This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in premium quality travel gear with slim, stylish gear like the Taskin Edge professional laptop backpack for business and travel. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use promo code RNR take 30 at TaskinSF.com. Next up on an all-new Rick and Rick. Our top three pointers for marketing in a post-pandemic world. What'll be different? What'll stay the same? And what the actual F have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> Meet the non-essential worker Barbie, the collectible you didn't know you needed. <laughs> Man. Plus, a virtual barber that'll help you cut your hair, loaded questions, and a whole lot more. And it all starts right here, right now. On the one show that always ricks things off right. And everybody rules the world. Hey, welcome one and welcome all to a brand new episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. I'm Rick Matheson and I am joined at a safe social distance by my pal Rick Wooten. Rick Wooten, as longtime listener Martin S. recently put it, how's our mass experiment in advanced hermetry treating you so far? <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, I've, I've managed to grow, you know, like 12 feet of hair. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look like I'm from the Outback or maybe the Unabomber with the beard I have going on. With eight feet of hair, is this going to be Rick and Rapunzel rule the world? <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> and you said beard, too. So you're like going for the whole like Sasquatch thing. <sighs> you know, it's not intentional, but it's kind of working out that way. I, I do need to uh, to whip out the old Floby and, you know, trim the hair. I, I <laughs> just haven't been brave enough to do it. I, I keep telling myself that the worst thing could happen is that I mess it up and then I just shave my head and there's plenty of time for it to grow back before we go back to work. Full disclosure here, I finally just caved in. My hair was driving me crazy. So I literally cut my own hair in the mirror. And how'd that go? It didn't work out so well for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, been, uh, I've been watching videos online on how to cut your own hair. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm terrified. I, I know for sure it's not going to go well. So I'm not actually joking. I do have a Floby. Uh, you know, it's, it's generally for you know the dog, but yeah, I think I qualify now. So uh, I think I, I, I may give it a try. Now, I forget what a Floby is. Wasn't it like a bowl that you spun while you were cutting hair? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's almost as bad. It's a vacuum attachment. And so it's a shaver that attaches to your vacuum. So the the vacuum pulls the hair, uh, you know, straight, and then the shaver cuts it off. So it could give you kind of like a, a nice, even longer haircut. You know, I'm thinking, you've seen all those crazy ass videos from Boston Dynamics, those robots that walk upstairs and do backflips or whatnot. Right. I'm thinking they need to create a robot that will come to your house and, and cut your hair. I mean, come exactly. on, Boston Dynamics. Exactly. TikTok. We're going to hit Rick and Rick Radar first. And one of our topics, Rick, was actually this virtual barber that'll help you actually cut your own hair. Yeah, so I I, uh, I saw this the other day. This is this is pretty clever, but also just a little lame. The idea is is there's a whole bunch of barbers at home not doing anything right now, so why not be able to Skype with them or FaceTime with them? And they can guide you through the process of shaving your head or cutting your hair. And so, you know, it, it, in principle, uh, you know, it seems like it would 
come out with a better product than you trying to do it yourself. But I, I still think that you trying to do it yourself is still going to be, is going to be a hot mess. So uh, I, I think it's a clever idea. I like that it's putting people back to work. The prices are about the same as if you went and got a haircut. So uh, there's, there's not really cost savings to it, but maybe, maybe some guidance would, would help all of us just do a little bit better of a job. And then it's got to at least have uh, kind of an evil laugh to it at the end where it's all, and your hair is done. Ha 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 ha. You know, yeah. I mean. My barber does that anyway. Is he not supposed to do that? Or... <laughs> I'm thinking that haircutters are essential workers or pretty damn close to it. Exactly. Speaking of which, you sent this thing over about a non-essential worker by the name of Barbie. Oh my God. Yeah. So this is, this is just a joke. Somebody, somebody made it up and, uh, you know, sent it out, but oh my God, is this not hilarious? It, it somebody, somebody created a non-essential worker Barbie. It's, uh, a Barbie with a completely undone hair. Uh, you can, you can, you know, pretty much see the roots, uh, you know, no makeup on, wearing an oversized sweatshirt and leggings. And across the, the sweatshirt, it reads, wine o'clock. And she's got a, a <laughs> bottle of wine in one hand and her iPhone in the other. So perfect for our times. But you know, what's next? Coronavirus kin? <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a funny one, but apparently people, people are getting jazzed about it. So Mattel better, better listen up and go make it. If she's got to live through these shelter in place orders, I think she's going to need to get an upgrade on the dream house. I think she's going to need a little <laughs> bit more space. Exactly. When we come back, it is time for the good, the bad, and the marketing, including each of our top three pointers on marketing during and most especially post-pandemic. So don't go anywhere. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. And we are back. Rick and Rick rule the world here with Rick Matheson and Rick Wooten. In this segment, we wanted to kind of take a pulse check on our views about marketing in this new world that we live in, preoccupied with COVID-19. This is, in fact, a moving target. There's lots about the virus we don't know about yet. And a lot of what I'm sure we'll talk about today depends on how long this lasts. You know, my number three really would be to recognize that the coronavirus didn't change things in marketing, it really just accelerated them. So the shift to digital, that was obviously happening before, but now it's accelerated. Even mom and pop stores are gonna to need to find ways to interact with folks in digital. That is no different than it was before, it's just now it's mandatory. And so it's gonna force everybody to move a little faster toward it. Things like digital advertising and marketing, social media and mobile, those things can make or break a brand now. It's a golden opportunity to have a little bit more interaction with consumers. And if you can give them really compelling experiences built around your brand, you damn well should be doing it right now because the brands that do are going to be really well positioned on the other side of this. So my uh, my number three was actually pretty related to this. And um, I, I do agree with you that uh, we are seeing a shift already of a lot of companies moving to digital uh, and, and moving very rapidly, which is good. Uh, we, we needed to see this. We, we need to see it in large organizations, but we also needed to see it in the corner shops and mom and pop shops yeah. and stuff like that. We've seen that. A lot of places, you know, have shut their doors and they're, they're either taking phone orders and meeting you at the door or they're uh, selling online as quickly as they can. There's a lot of companies that have popped up to help them do it. And all this is really good. What that means, though, is that there is a lot more advertising online right yeah. now yeah. and that is going to continue for the 
foreseeable future, which means that, you know, KPIs are probably going to tank because we have huge amounts of competition. Mm-hmm. I, I, I made the mistake recently of searching for uh, a, uh, a washable mask, you know, a cloth mask that I could wear when I go out and shop and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, in, and I counted the other day in, in the course of, you know, like 10 scrolls, uh, there was eight different companies that were trying to market me wow. masks. Wow. And so that it's just one example, but you know, as, as a marketer, I'm already seeing this, you know, our, our first couple webinars we did, uh, post COVID, we had huge attendance, in fact, above our normal attendance. But then, you know, once you start getting a few weeks later and a few weeks later, now we're seeing numbers start to, to dip below what they were beforehand, which means that there's, there's a certain amount of fatigue and there's a yeah. certain amount of crowdedness yeah. and there's just too much noise in the system right now. And so I think as we continue out the other side of this, uh, that's not going to slow down. And, and in fact, as, as we start to recover, people are going to start feeling more comfortable dumping more money into it. And we're going to see even more competition and we're going to see KPIs really continue to be pressured. Yeah. And so those companies that you talked about where, you know, they're, they're coming out with uh, something very creative and they're really standing out or they're really sharply focused on the customer needs and, and um, you know, how to solve their problem. Those are the ones they're going to cut through the noise. Those are the ones that are going to still perform uh, in this really crowded market we're about to have. It'll be interesting to see which categories really are able to adapt and be agile enough to navigate this strange space. My number two is it's not just how you market, it's what you market. All of these trends toward online ordering, home delivery, and so forth are now front and center. The big brands have the capital to kind of weather this, but the smaller brands have the ability to ramp up into the digital space and compete with those larger brands, but do it in a way that's going to be more meaningful for their local communities in a way these big brands can't. I think even for the smallest mom and pop stores and restaurants, restaurants and things like that. It's going to be about two things. We talked about Boppus before, buy online, pick up at store. Well, I think it's about buy online, pick up at curbside, or even better, buy online, deliver door to door. I think that those are going to have major resonance with consumers that I think is going to last, frankly. I think that smaller stores, brands should really kind of revisit their physical spaces and think about their stores as something slightly different. Grocery stores are really all stores in some ways. I think they need to be built so that they can be distribution centers that make it easy for folks to order whatever they want online and have it home delivered. I think that that's something that's going to stay with us for companies that allows them to do really what Amazon's kind of doing with Whole Foods is it's really building that the delivery network. So be thinking about what that means. I keep thinking about pizza parlors just because they've already done this. It's already been happening. You know, Domino's and, and others really, they've got a you know, smooth operation that is digital focused. You order online, how are we going to order it? Freaking dash buttons or you know, send a text and use your Slack to order food from Domino's. And they've got them space so that they can deliver to you very quickly. And I think other categories are going to have to look at that. We talked about haircuts earlier. That whole category is going to go through some weird ass times. Going to your barber is going to seem a lot more like going to the dentist than it ever did before. You're going to be seeing heavy disinfectants between customers barbers who are wearing a face mask and gloves, that that's going to be a very different experience until there's there's a vaccine. And then for larger brands, national brands, international brands, 
difference. Their challenges, they've already got the digital stuff down, but I think now the smaller, more local or regional brands are going to give them a run for the money. It's all good points. I, I, I think about this quite a bit, all the changes that we're going to see. You, you mentioned the barber, which, you know, obviously is near and dear to me right now. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, it's just so many things. Like, I, I, was, uh, I was reflecting on the things that I hope I don't have to miss that I think I'll end up missing once once we're done with this. Like going to the movie theater. Yeah. I love going to the movie theater. There's something about seeing it on the big screen, having the red vines and, you know, the Coke, uh, uh, cherry Coke in my hand and watching a movie with other people that yeah. you don't get necessarily, no matter how big of a screen you have at home. Yeah. You know, another, another one like that is concerts. I love going to concerts. Yeah. But, you know, how comfortable are we going to feel going and hanging out with 10, 20, 30, 45, 50,000 people. It's hard to see us having concerts again for a period of time. And, you know, hopefully we'll find a way to adapt to that, but I, I don't know how you do a concert at home. And then the, the one that's, you know, a little emotional is the idea of a handshake or a hug yeah. to connect with people. You yeah. know, you haven't seen a friend in a while. You haven't seen your family. You haven't seen, you know, whatever coworker, that kind of bonding, yeah. you know, that could go away as well, which kind of leads me into uh, my number two, which is uh, just big events in general. So as, as a marketer, we we plan these big events, you know, yeah. uh, you and I have both spent a ton of time at things like, you know, CES or NAB or, you know, all these, these E3, all these different shows, um, South by Southwest, these things are going to go away for a period of time. And and some of them may not come back. Right. Right. I mean, there's a, a financial aspect to these and losing a year, losing, you know, a, a big piece of time may put the event to an end. Yeah. And so I, I think as a marketer, there's uh, a lot that we have to do to adapt to that. So, you know, yeah. top level lead generation, you know, top of the funnel, very much awareness. What are we going to do instead of that? And, you know, we talked about this a little bit ago. So a lot of people are going to digital, which means, you know, they're trying out these virtual events. Uh, IBM has IBM Think coming up and it's going to be a big virtual event. You, they're talking about taking the AWS reInvent and moving that into a digital event. Um, but, you know, you've got those which have never really shown a good ROI in the past. How do we make them into a good ROI? Yeah. Or, you know, how do we do more webinars or executive roundtables or what have you? Um, you know, how do we how do we do that shift? And I, I think this is a challenge for a lot of marketing people who have, you know, for so long depended on trade shows and events and dinners and things like that to drive leads and 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 everything else and yeah. brand base. You know, you and I have been talking about AR and VR for 10 years. Yeah. This may be the place where it takes off. You could potentially create a shared space in a virtual world. You know, it's obviously not going to be 30,000 people all in the same place, you know, for the same weekend. Nothing's going to beat that. Yeah. But if you can find a way to give folks some semblance of that, hopefully have a new, whole new platform. But you know, but here, here's a crazy idea, right? The, these events are not cheap. If if you go to you know any of these events we just mentioned, you're gonna pay you know a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars for your entry, right? Yeah. Well, what what if part of that cost becomes and they're gonna buy you an Oculus Quest three hundred dollar right. unit and send it to you, yeah. and the whole experience is within uh, a VR world, and in the Quest and in some of these other units actually have the capability of. Uh, 
uh, interacting with other people within the environment. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many, I mean, when you start talking tens of thousands of people, but you could almost picture having the headset on, you know, with the, the controllers in your hand. And if you're at a panel discussion, you could raise your hand and ask a question and they right. can call you out and they, I'm hoping we can find a way to adapt all this, but in the meantime, I'm, I'm definitely going to, to miss some of these things, you know, yeah. that, that sense of awe and discovery as you move through a trade show. So, so from a marketing standpoint, I, I think that uh, we have to adapt. We have to figure out how to make this virtual world work. Uh, how do we do virtual webinars and trade shows and roundtables and that sort of thing? Uh, and, and, and we have to find ways of filling in that demand. And I guess this kind of is part and parcel with my third tenant here. Faced with all of these challenges, you can't cut your way to growth. <laughs> the temptation is going to be, and you're seeing it already, to cut marketing spend. It always is during down times, but that's not saying that's the smart move. Uh, sometimes it is a necessity, but really it's the time to double down because suddenly you don't have as much competitors in the space that maybe they aren't spending as much money. In Chinese, the word for crisis is two symbols, one for danger and one for opportunity. And this period shouldn't be a, how do we survive this necessarily, or not just to that. It needs to be, how do we thrive here and really come out of this really strong? And I think the businesses that show up stand out, do good for consumers and, and go big during this tough time are going to be the ones that are the, the leaders in their categories when we pull out of this. I agree with all that. For my third tenant, I want to come back to something we said a, a minute ago and that the, sh the handshake deal is no more. It's it's not uh, something that is is going to be how deals are done. We're not going to go uh, from a, from a marketing standpoint. You know, the goal isn't to you know get one executive and another executive in a B two B deal at a dinner together where they can you know wine and dine and do a handshake and then to do the deal at the end. Instead. The, the deals that we're doing are going to move more and more progressively to the digital world. Yeah. And we can already see this, like it's happening so fast right now. Uh, cars, every car company right now has gone hyper-focused on doing online transactions yes. and having the car delivered to your house. And people are buying cars sight unseen, never yeah. drove it, never looked at it, never smelled it, you know, never sat in it. It just shows up at their doorstep. And of course they have return policy and stuff like that, but it's not something that's been commonplace in the past. Houses are being bought in much the same way. Yeah. And so I think in business, we're going to see this change. And from, as a marketer, that means we need to adapt to that cycle and figure out how to uh, smooth the transition between you know, the, the advertising and things that we do. And then actually that buying process to set the expectation, to set the, you know, the cadence so that it's a smooth transition. It's, it feels comfortable and familiar somehow to the audience. And that's, and that's going to be interesting. And, and like I said, we're, we're already seeing this now, even with IT purchases, uh, they're moving almost purely digital. And, uh, and I think that's going to get faster and faster. And, and in fact, we were, we were joking about this at work the other day, and, it, and it's not completely a joke. We're thinking about experimenting with this, but it's the idea of, you know, trying to create that virtual counterpoint to that executive dinner. And so maybe it's the executive from company A and the executive from company B sitting at, you know, in front of a computer with a Grubhub uh, delivery of food uh, and, and create that idea of uh, that virtual dinner date uh, yeah. between, between the two. In fact, I'm, I'm going to bet we're going to see a lot of uh, of relationships, you know, new relationships 
start out this way where, you know, they are social distancing. So maybe their first date ends up being, hey, I delivered you a Grubhub. You know, you open yours, I'll open mine, and we'll sit down and eat together. And so in uh, business, it's going to be the same thing. I think there's lots of new innovations that might not have occurred if this hadn't happened or might have occurred much farther downstream. Opportunity, 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 identify those things. There's going to be some good stuff that comes out of this that we'll like better than what was before. Hopefully we so I, I've had a couple of crazy experiences uh, over over this whole shutdown thing. Uh, two people that I work with have actually had children during this time frame. Wow. Uh, so that kind of you know brings up a whole new world of how do you introduce your baby to people? And, yeah. and clearly you don't physically, so you do it digitally. You do it through video. You do it through WebEx. You do it and, through and the soundtrack know, of of Lion King in the background. <laughs> That's right. Ah, all right. Well, that was really, really thought-provoking. So we'll have to continue this conversation in upcoming episodes. Until next time, this is Rick Matheson. And this is Rick Wood. Inviting you to join us next time for the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world.